On today's episode of After the Snap, we are joined by my teammate, Miami Dolphins fullback, Alec Ingold. Nothing more needs to be said. It's time for After the Snap. Let's go. Every snap is an interview. After the Snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! I need to match that energy. Coach, let's freaking go. Let's I think I think I that love the old been, school cap. Old school, as I, OG forgets. I think that might have been the single best intro we've had to this podcast in the history of After the Snap. We got that it. That was fantastic. I had like an entire like introduction scripted for you, but I I don't think that we need one anymore. No, no, let's roll. I am going to introduce you just so that the people know who just set the tone for this interview. On the pod this week, we are joined by the 2014 Gatorade High School Player of the Year dual threat quarterback and also happens to play fullback for the Miami Dolphins, all-around phenomenal human being, the Mr. Alec Ingold. Dude, thank you for coming on the pod. I appreciate you just letting everyone know that my athleticism has just been downhill since 2014. <laughs> like, I really appreciate that. I don't think that's that – That makes that makes three of us. <laughs> it, truly, three of us. it truly transcends who you are as a person and just shows you <clears> – <throat> how much that there is to Alec Ingold. There's, right, yeah, there's yeah. so much more than what you see on a roster there. He is a, he is an all dual threat quarterback played linebacker. He, he, he does it all folks. Like, can we stop pumping my tires? And can we, get in, we can get into it. I, I, well, talk- I need to, I need to know, I need to know what's what, what, what and, and because, because you're Gatorade high school player of the year, I know you remember it. What were dot me up some senior year stats, touchdowns, uh, yards. Uh, what are we talking here? Dog, you, see, Wisconsin football, Wisconsin high school football is a different breed. It's a different breed of animal. We were Division One though, which is the highest. It's like seven A, you know, like you know seven A. Okay. We're Division One, which is the biggest schools. But man, we we ran we ran the ball a lot. We ran the ball a lot. It was it was a glorified wildcat. Probably oh, threw the rock cool. for about twenty tugs. Probably ran for another thirty. It, it was a lot of times the, the boys were sipping Gatorade at halftime. Like we were, we're putting the feet up at halftime. We're watching the boys get better. We're playing for the the entire you know the organization of the high school. Um, but we put up 40, 50 points by half. You might not even have sounds, your shoulder, sounds you like we had a shoulder similar... pads on in the second half. No, it's like a preseason game half no, the time. Yeah, no shoulder pads, tennis shoes. Like doesn't matter. We were sitting. Like we had a yeah. similar high school experience to Blake, to Blake and myself. We were, we were power O and usually out of the game by the third quarter. Dude, we were opposite of like a wing tee. All the jet motions you can have, oh, and yeah. we're just read option on everyone. Like if you think we're reading the defensive end, no, we're reading the the stack linebacker. You get like defenses were in a blender. They had no idea what to do. They're like. 
we've never, it was like a spaceship. It was like a UFO coming down and they were like, what is this offense? Like, how do you defend it? We just, and we just dial it up. I want to talk about growing up in Green Bay. You're in the backyard of the Green Bay Packers. Also a very proud college football state. Mm. And you got to play for the hometown team. I want to, I want to hear about that. I want to hear about growing up in Green Bay and then playing for the Wisconsin Badgers had to be the Wisconsin bat is it bad Badgers? How do you the Wisconsin the, Badgers? The dude. Badger, Badgers. You gotta hold the hold the, <laughs> the bag and bag. Bag and bag. That's what you're trying to go with. It's just the badgers. It's it's easy. So it rolls off the tongue. So, so what was it like playing for the hometown team? Um, I guess not hometown, but home state team. It was really cool. Um, yeah, growing up in the shadows of Lambeau were awesome. It was awesome, and I, you know, I played at Lambeau as a youth, like Pop Warner, uh, growing up at a halftime of a preseason game, and then we played y'all uh, LSU at Lambeau. Opened up the season there as a college kid, and then played there in the league. So. Dude, no, it's it's crazy. Uh, it's in a complete like community. Everyone loves football. Sundays, you, you can show up to church with a Packers jersey or a button down shirt. And um, I was always hassling my parents, like, just let me wear the jersey. Like, let me wear the jersey. No, I had to wear a polo. I had to dress up nice. But no, it was awesome seeing guys at the grocery store like Clay Matthews, BJ Raji, like just witnessing them in real life was was insane. So. To be able to go up there uh, was awesome. To be able to get a real late offer at Wisconsin, go down and play for the Badgers, uh, was a dream come true. I always wanted to do that. Uh, I just I remember getting that offer. I was a, committed to NIU to play quarterback. I got that offer, and it was like, I mean, how do you say no? You like, can't turn that what, down. This is what you dream of as a kid growing up, like wanting to be Lee Evans, Ron Dane, all those guys growing up, and it's like you got the shot to do it. Like I don't care how long I got to sit the bench for my offer for my op, but like, I'm going to put in that work um, to try and make it. So that was, that was awesome. No doubt. And, and one of the things that you mentioned, seeing guys like Clay Matthews, seeing guys like BJ Raji out and about in green Bay, I've heard stories about people just like seeing Aaron Rodgers at the grocery store. Does that happen quite a bit? Like it's a small town. Like it, it has to happen all the time. Happens all the time, and you kind of know when to expect it, when not to. And I try and like when I was a kid, I try not to embarrass myself. But I do think that people of Green Bay do a great job of like respecting people's space. Yeah. Like they're not going to come up with a picture and an autograph like in the the line at the Piggly Wiggly grocery store. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's because you see them all the time. Like it's it it's not like Miami or New York where you just like happen to bump into somebody in a huge city. You know, it's it's a small town, so it has to happen. I mean, yeah, and there's frequently. there's a level of respect, like that's yeah. where you look up to. So you're just going to respect yeah. them in your space, totally. and uh, that that was the coolest part for me. Alec, we had Josh Allen on a couple months ago, and he referenced our first game we play out in LA Thursday night to open the season, and that, that's going to be his first game back home in California. And he mentioned that he had he's going to have I don't even know 300 people there or something like that, like a ton of people there. When you went back to play in Green Bay your first time in the pros, was it a similar experience? You have a ton of people there, a bunch of, you know, kind of half the high school show up. Like, what are we talking? Hey, so I think half of Howard Swamico showed up. That's where I grew up. That was like the area. But 
I did not have to get the tickets, which was awesome because if I would have had no game check, I would have no game That's check. Clutch. So everyone got their own tickets. Everyone was in yeah. there. And I remember doing a little pregame walk around, and people that were working at the stadium were like, "I oh, like, what's up? Like, good to see you." And it was just like, That's "It's cool. like, okay, I need to dial in. I need to know what what play we're running in this first fifteen because uh, my head was spinning for sure." I think that's I something that. that a lot of people don't realize is like, like we as NFL players, like we have to pay for the tickets. Like we don't, you know, in college you get like your four tickets and, and you know, you can get others from teammates or whoever that aren't using tickets. But like, if you have 300 people come to the game to watch you play, like that's expensive, dude. NFL tickets are pricey. That's, I mean, and then you're not getting the cheapest ones either. No, you're, you're getting more for sure. Like that's, Hey, yeah, you got two, and you better use those two to the best of your ability. That's about it. That's right. This is one of the questions I was looking forward to asking you. As an undrafted guy myself, made it. I'm going into my seventh year coming up. Got a special place in my heart for those undrafted guys. As an undrafted guy yourself, do you feel like that has given you a chip on your shoulder throughout your career so far? How have you approached, you know, your your career and making very a few making a few teams? with that kind of as your background? Dude, being undrafted, like, it's a gut check. There's no other way to put it. Like, 100%. You, you expect to be drafted. You're you're at the top 1% of the 1%, right? So, like, senior bowl, combine, whatever you've done, like, you're All-American, you're All-State, you're a Gatorade Player of the Year. Like, you've always been that dude, right? And then for 32 teams, 32 general managers, 32 organizations to be like, eh, we're going to go somewhere else for what we want, what we want to get done. It's a gut check. It's probably the first time for a lot of people that you're told no, like you're not good enough. Like we don't value you enough. And I think at that moment, like sitting down, I just remember like it was a moment for me to go all in. There's a moment of let's commit to this. How much do you really love ball? Like how much do you really love to play? I remember sitting down after that draft day and my dad just sit me on the porch. He's like, are you ready to go take a grown man shot? Like, cause that's what it's going to come down to. That's it. Like you got to go, you got to grow up right now. No one handed you anything. You got to go take something. And to understand that as like a 22, 23, 24 year old kid is very hard. But mm. as an undrafted kid, you you have to learn fast. You don't get any more ops. No one's handing you any extra reps. And you just got to learn on your own, learn on the fly. And you got to make an impression fast. So I think all those lessons and getting tossed into the deep end, having to do that, um, make or break. I think that's, that's what solidifies so many guys to make it to the league. That's why there's teams that, that get undrafted guys and build rosters off of that because you have that trust, you have that accountability, you have that willingness to like do whatever it takes. And I think those are those little things that make good teams great. I think that's sort of the mindset that you have to have as a fullback, like above everything else. Like that's, that is the relentless mindset that you have to approach the game with no matter what. And so I, th- I think that it's, there's no question why you were, you approached your, your rookie year with that mentality because you have to have the mindset of, I'm about, I'm about to run through this guy's face a hundred miles an hour and I'm about to do it again and again and again until he quits and I'm, you know, running through him one more time. So I, I, Big time, big time props, big time admire you for that mentality. Like no one wants to run 14 ISO. No one wants to. <laughs> nobody on the offense, nobody on defense, nobody no. nobody wants to see that. But are you willing to do it? Like, are you willing to do it for four right. yards? Like we're, right. we're trying to get 
we're not trying to break loose like an 80 yard bomb to Tyreek. We're trying to set that up. Like yes. we're trying to go four yards right here. Like, yes. are you willing to do that for the squad? I think I saw a clip on, uh, I think it was on the, it was on Twitter and it was you on like goal line, like jumping over the O line, like yeah. super Superman blocking like three guys, just, just taking everything out in your path. That's, I mean, that's how you got to, that's how you got to play. That was wild. That was, we're in London. So we spent a whole week in London. Uh, this is my rookie year and we have a goal line package. Like it's all set in stone, but like that week was probably one of the most fun weeks I ever had as an NFL football player. Like we're out in, in London and the boys are playing, like we're playing Euchre. We're playing sardines. I don't know if you remember that. Like uh-huh. we had the whole like campus to ourselves, like hide and seek type stuff. We're just <laughs> messing around, like just trying to find games to play. We're bored, but everyone was there. Like you're isolated. You're there for yeah. a week. We yeah. had self-service off of the, you know, like the grounds. Yeah. So we just spent time together and it was like one of the best weeks ever uh, just as a kid, 22, 23, 24-year-old kid, growing up, doing your thing yeah. in the league, like being with all the boys. It felt like summer camp, and the Bears showed up, and it was like back and forth, back and forth. felt like a bowl game, and we had that goal line. Like that's one of the go-ahead plays. The D-line cut our entire offensive line, so everyone's on the ground. There's yeah. no one. And you're three yards away, four yards away. And it's like, you see where you're supposed to go. You see Roquan, you see all these guys that get paid a lot of money. I'm like, I'm supposed to get there. And it was just like, yeah, let's, here we let's, go. Go over the top. let's go over the top with it. Like, let's see what, and Josh just immediately you know, went over the top with me. And it was, uh, follow, follow me to the end zone. Follow the leader. If your friend is going <laughs> to jump off the building, are you going to? And that's like, right. that, yeah. That's, that's what fullback dreams are made of right there. Sounds like. <laughs> I'll tell yeah, you what, Reggie Reggie Gilliam, who's kind of been like a hybrid guy for us, uh, but I think he he has a history of playing some fullback. He's he's become one of my best friends. I'm not sure if you guys have crossed paths or not, but um, uh, I want to hit on a little bit of uh, you know, you mentioned going to the Raiders. We talked about going undrafted there. You played there. Uh, you played in Oakland for a year before you guys moved to Vegas. Uh, became a team captain along the way. Uh, very impressive there. When you signed with Oakland did they tell you the team was moving ahead of time at the, had they already announced it they had already announced it but it was crazy like they were supposed to year, move the year before and then like right. something fell through so they then they're going to move again the next year so we were already like one foot in one foot out as soon as you show up we've had a, a few guys that come on the podcast talk about like and we'll get to it later in you know at the tail end of the of the podcast but we talk about favorite stadium and least favorite stadium a lot of guys their least favorite because some of the older guys talk about that oakland stadium playing on the dirt what was that like like what kind of adjustment was there an adjustment period did you guys practice there whenever you could like when the athletics weren't playing there like how how did that how did that work we stayed off the dirt as much as possible. And That's nobody what I thought. Practiced. That's what I thought. <laughs> Nobody's trying to get tackled on that. No one's trying no. to. It was, if you got tackled or if there was a block and you like, you fell to your knees or whatever, it would literally scrape up mm. the, like your leggings, like your pants, there'd be holes in it. it you'd, you'd be cut up on the arms. It was, it was brute Cause it's like a dirt infield for baseball, right? Like it's not, it's not mm. like sand on the beach you're running through. It, yeah, it's, it's like little rocks. Hard. It's, it is very, very hard. So even trying to like, I remember playing against the Chiefs and trying to block Tyron Matthew off the edge. 
and <clears throat> I'm going from dirt from grass to dirt to grass again. And I just completely like lost my footing because of the different, the different surfaces. So as some people might be like, Oh, you know, they hated it. I did love, like I embraced that. Like my first game there was a Monday night football against the Broncos. And it was just like, it's iconic, dude. Like the Coliseum, the Raiders, like blue blood, like it was, it was crazy. So you kind of embraced it on our side, but yeah, it was in uh it's not what, like, what happened in that game? Was there something notable that happened in that game? I feel like uh, I remember watching that on TV. Which one? That your Monday night game, your first game. No, I, th- I think it was a back and forth game. We ended up pulling it out at the very end, but I can't. That's remember. right. I remember watching it at the tail end. Was there like a penalty? Maybe a couple penalties in the game. There or was maybe like a, a, yeah, there was right a, like down in the deep red zone. Yeah, and then we yep. got we had like one more chance at it. Josh That's what it was. And then, um, yeah, we ended up three and out on the defense or a pick or whatever, and we got one first down and iced it. So yeah, I remember. I remember watching that game. All right, I knew there was something notable about it that I remembered. You moved to Vegas after year one. You're there for the next two years. What was that like moving to Vegas? I know before you and I sort of talked about the perks of of playing in Vegas. You know, getting to go to the UFC fights, getting to go to cool restaurants there in town. What was that like? It was crazy. So my rookie year ends, I rent a car out of Enterprise, right? Like just throw all of your belongings in a, in a car. Like you're, you're living in an apartment month to month. Get this car. You drive. We drove down to Vegas and just threw everything into a, a townhouse that we had like I put a deposit on, whatever. After that, we closed on the house, on the townhome, put everything away. I fly back out, try and get some furniture going, COVID hits. Our return flights get canceled, like back to Wisconsin, back home. So at that point, we're officially moved into Vegas. So you're it's stuck. COVID. We're stuck. It's a pandemic. We're watching Man. Tiger King on Netflix, me and the fiance. <laughs> we had nothing to do. Garage workouts. You're in a completely, you're in the desert. You don't know anybody. So that first year was crazy because you can't see your teammates. You can't hang out with guys. You can't get outside of the facility. So how many guys did that happen to where you like leave right after the season, you go to move in and you get stuck? How many, there had to be other guys that were moving, that were in the process of doing exactly what you were doing. There, there was a dozen easy, maybe a couple dozen guys doing that. So we're all just sitting there like hands tied. You're trying to make ends meet. You're trying to make things yeah. work. You go to OTAs, all of a sudden it's Zoom, right? Like you, you're not seeing guys and you can't really travel back anywhere. Like you were really isolated. You're on an island. And the way Vegas is, it's like, it's a valley, right? So there's mountain ranges everywhere. So you don't like get out of Vegas. Like you got to fly and flights were canceled. So like you are literally, you're there. So we were just trying to make ends meet, trying to figure it all out. That first year, none of the perks, (laughs) nothing like that. It was was (laughs) straight from the house to work and back again. So uh, that was nuts. But then, yeah, that last year, uh, that last year there was completely different. And, and I think that you told me there was a restaurant there in town that named some sort of menu item after you. Oh, yeah. That- Barcode Burgers. Big shout out to Barcode Burgers. It's like, so you got the strip, right? And it's like five-star restaurants, everything. Like, yeah. you got clubs, you got we used whatever to go, you want. We used to go to the, I can't remember what the name of it was, but the uh, the buffet in the Cosmopolitan. Um, <laughs> yeah. We used to go there when we would be out at our Vegas camps. And it was just the best, like best of the best, like 
uh, craziest like bone marrow, all kinds of like weird things, but like so good. They so, dial it up. They dial it up to the yeah. dance. And then in the shadows of the strip is Barco Burgers. And it is, it's a little piece of home. It's a, it's a sports bar. They got the jerseys on the wall. Love they that. got, they got good beer. They got good food. They got burgers. They got whatever you need. And we got, uh, the Badger burger there. We got cheese curds nice. on. Let's go. Burger, <laughs> Arlen it's like, you need to, it's one of those things where if you eat it, if you don't take a walk later that night to like walk it off, you're going to be hurting. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a beast. So being able to like design up your own, your own menu item was sick, especially at a place like that. Cody's the owner there. He's awesome. So that, that's me, man. That's burger, beer, whatever sports bar. I could take that. Any day. So, so as we were actually going to ask about the cheese curds, I've been to been to Green Bay once when we played in 2016, and then I've been to Milwaukee twice. Cheese curds and the beers and brats was a highlight of the trip for the two trips to Milwaukee. Tell me, like, there, there's something special about cheese curds, and and they say that there's like a like a squeak when you eat them. Yeah, what's, you need to. You need what's to, that all about? So the more fresh of the cheese curd, the squeakier. The cheese curd okay. is. So, you know, we can, you can go to the gas station, you go to quick yeah. trip, right? And you can get a bag of cheese curds. You got to check the dates. You got to make sure the tab is the right color, depending on. Really? The it's, it's a whole thing. Now, yeah. if you get the right one, you get a good bag, you get it fresh, it's yeah. going to be squeaking. And it's, it's like, it's better than a steak just cutting like butter. Like, yeah. it's just the squeakiness no of a cheese way. curd. It's different, Coach. It's it's different. Man. So were you like super picky when they built your burger in Vegas about, about the cheese curds, or is that just something that it's on a burger so it's gonna kinda melt into the into the flavor? Yeah, yeah, I'm not like I'm not being pretentious about my yeah. cheese curds burger. Understandable. Just, as long as they're on there. Like we're yes. just gonna make yes. it your teammates in Vegas with Foster Morrow, who I showed up to LSU with in 2015, I think we need to talk about him for a minute because I feel like he deserves the airtime on After the Snap Pod. He needs to come on at some point, but I know scheduling with him would be absolutely impossible. I can't even get him re- to return a text message, much less get him get him for 25, 30 minutes on the podcast. You saw Foster Morrow, the NFL player, polished post number <laughs> number 18 at LSU, Foster Morrow. Tell the people about him at the NFL level, and then I'll I'll discuss Foster Morrow, the hometown LSU kid. All right, so Foster Foster is the most competitive person I've ever met. Easily, and, and the thing about Foster is he plays the game within the game every time. Every time doesn't matter if you're playing pop a shot, he'll find a way to get his release a little bit faster. Throw two balls up. Whether it's video games like Madden or FIFA, he's gonna he's gonna find the best tactic, the best custom tactic for the best custom team that he can make. Whether it's Catan, he is going to demolish you every time. Whether it's longest road or best, like doesn't matter if it's a board game, pool volleyball, football, it does not matter. He's coming. He's he's coming for your throat, like cutthroat competitor. And I roomed with this man for 
three to four months in a Hampton Inn and Suites and um, in Oakland, Alameda, California, like Alameda, you know, is it's the island where we, we trained or whatever. But the dude made everything a competition. We would try and like go to the facility. Like all of a sudden he's waking up at 5 a.m. going to the facility and we got team meeting at eight. Like I was racing there. Yes. And the only like he, I some of the best routines I ever have was because I roomed with him because it was so competitive and he would just jab you. He'd chirp you. Oh, oh. I, just, I didn't see you in the tubs. I didn't see you in the tubs before team meeting. Like, yeah. oh, I was, I was getting better. Oh, I stayed late and I was talking to coach. Like, we're figuring out all our yeah. stuff. Um, that was that was one of the biggest things at LSU that that got under guys' skin on the team was that when he did something that he knew was better than you or he like was just like he he won a rep you know in team or whatever it was he was going to chirp you about it and it led to so many fights in practice so many just like bickering arguments in in apartments playing so there was one time i walked into their apartment they were a couple of couple floors above us there it was him and a couple of teammates and uh, I walked in there and they're in the middle of a full fledged nerf war on a two level apartment. Like he's at the top, like sniping from like a fort thing, but he was going to chirp you about it. If you, if you, if he beat you, like so, was not so going to let you hear the end of it. We had, we had a nerf war in our Alameda apartment. He's he, we went to a target and we probably dropped, $200, $300 in Nerf guns, Nerf gear. We had the big inflatables up. Like we were, we had teams and it was like capture the flag and he won every, he wins every single time. I think he's going to be like a GM one day just because he understands like the game and everything. Cause between him and Renfro, like they never lost. They never yeah. lost any game that they played. It is unbelievable. He's going to make like the best and also the worst dad someday because he's going <laughs> to. He's going to be like super competitive with his kids and like never, ever let them win at anything ever. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I'm just imagining him out playing pool basketball and just rejecting every place. Yes. It's going to make him better. Yes. And it's going to make him better. Keep him humble. There was a time, and this is, this is not about his competitive nature. There was a time at LSU where he – was in the weight room. He was a, he's a weight room junkie. I don't know if that was how he was in Vegas. I'm sure it probably was. Weight room junkie, could not get him out of the weight room. He was doing, I don't know if he's talked to you about this, about his teeth getting knocked out. So he was doing like back pulls and he's sitting on this thing and the cord breaks and it, the, the metal piece that he was hanging on to hits him square in the mouth. And he had to get his, he had to get his lips like sewn back together because his, his teeth went like through his lips and he had to wear, it wasn't a visor like you would have, you know, on your eyes. It was a visor that he had to have over his mouth so that if, you know, if he hit somebody, it wouldn't like, he wouldn't get poked or anything go through and, and reopen his, his wound. So when we had to wear those masks on our face masks back during COVID, COVID yeah. like however many couple weeks that we had, it reminded me of 
20, I guess it was 2018 when that happened. And he like had to wear this. It looked like Bane, like a Bane mask, but it was like clear. <laughs> Yikes. We made so much fun of him for it. But it, that, that, I guess it kind of does go back to his competitive nature. He was not going to let that hinder him playing a snap at all. Like he was back at practice on whatever it was Tuesday after getting his freaking lips sewn up on Monday afternoon. He was a beast. I got a question about you obviously going to Miami, but um, did you cross paths with uh, Will Compton in Oakland or in Vegas, I guess? Comp is is the best. In two two different stints with the Raiders, absolute baller, dude. I I don't know him. I've thoroughly enjoyed um, one of of Blake and I, one of our uh, best buds, is a big busting with the boys fan and he, and the, he loves that podcast. I, I'm not too into it. I just enjoy following Will on, uh, social media, but I, I wanted to ask you about him because I, I don't, I don't know anybody that has ties to him, but, uh, he, I, I've become a, a pretty big fan of his. He's, he's hilarious. He's, hilarious. he's a funny media. dude. Yes. So he's funny. He goes me, he'll pick fights. Like he does yeah. not care and he's going to, he doesn't, make he doesn't care. And, but you get him in a locker room, dude. And, as a rookie, he showed up like halfway through the season, straight for punt sets, like going to cover and played like death on linebacker, played his role. But like Coach Visaccio was getting on him hard, right? Like trying to get him up to speed, learning everything. And he would just dish it right back to him. And as like a rookie, you're sitting in there, and you're like, special, te- like, special teams coordinator, like Will just showed up and he's like, he's talking that shit right back. Like, yeah. are, are you sure that's okay? Is that allowed? But you just – you loved it. Like, he has that shtick about him. He has that, like, just feel good. Like, we're going to get this gritty – got that dog in him. <laughs> He's got that dog in him, like, straight <laughs> up. Dude, it's it's true. It's it's 100% true. He shows up for a playoff run. He's just with the boys. It's just – and he can have a conversation with anybody. doesn't matter if you're undrafted rookie, 10-year vet, whatever. You're going to have one of the best conversations ever. You're going to feel like you've been best friends with him for, for a decade. Awesome. I'm about to, I'm about to see if I can reach out to him, maybe have him on the pod, uh, someday. But, uh, so ending last season, obviously you knew you, you know, you're, you're up for a new contract. You come to Miami. What was it like transitioning from Vegas to Miami? How did, how did that come to be? Uh, it was wild. You have like 30 minutes in free agency and that's like, you're going to head across the country, make that decision call a family, let them know what happened. You know, I took a red-eye flight and I basically started training like the next day. I remember freaking Troy had a BFR machine on my leg. Like I'm coming back from the ACL and it was like, we can't miss any time, right? So you go from one staff that has you here and then there's a little bit of a, a mishap in communication, whatever. You're on the streets for about a week trying to figure everything out. And then the next week you're, you're in Miami trying to catch up and make sure that time is is right because um, you need to be back for week one. So that was like a whole dynamic of trying to like move, trying to get everything set, get your routine set so that uh, everything could be as seamless as possible. So yeah, c- catching that red eye and basically moving across the country overnight and then just figuring else everything else later was um, one of the craziest times of my life. Super grateful for it. Learned a lot, but Moving is never easy. It's the number one thing that I despise in my life. Moving, Moving. sucks. There's, Moving. It's, it's the worst. Ever. I'll never, and thank 
the good Lord that I've been playing for this long and I have saved up a little bit of money, I will never move by myself. I will always from this day forward, pay somebody to move me. A hundred percent. And so worth it. I'll never do it. I hate it. They're going to pack up the pie. They're going to get the furniture in there. Like it's, um, it is a disaster, but yeah, it was, it was something that had to happen. And, um, super (laughs) like, I could not imagine showing up into a locker room and everything just being like so set up. Like, okay, we're going to go here. We're going to figure this out. And it felt like a checklist. Like they already had everything um, processed, ready to go. So it was really just trusting everybody and, and just getting dialed back into football, getting back on the field, and then um, getting ready for this week one. So um, there was no time to really like sulk or feel bad or feel bad about the move, worry about anything else. It was like, let's get in this training room. Let's get right. Coach McDaniel is a guy that's known for using a fullback in his offenses, as is with his coaching tree with Shanahan and and Juice in San Francisco. That had to be a big selling point for you coming into Miami. You had to be super pumped about that, just with all the cool things that uh, you'd seen him do with Juice in San Francisco, thinking about all the cool things that uh, you'll be able to do here in Miami, right? It's the number one reason. And you, you want to be on a team that's going to be successful, competitive. And, you know, that's the, the Dolphins for the past three years. It's just like you're getting closer and closer and closer. And to have a head coach there that, that trusts fullbacks like that, you're 26 years old, you're free agent. Let's, let's go be as good as you can be. Let's find the most challenging offense you can get in. Let, let's bite off as much as we can chew and, and let's figure it out later. So that, that was really like the number one selling point. Like where can I play ball? Where can I get back on the field? Where can I make an impact? Where can I help other guys? And that was the Dolphins. That was Coach McDaniel. And, you know, the rest of history, like, let's, let's just go, dude. Like, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just – I'm getting fired up talking about it. I know it's um, – we've still got a few more weeks, but I, I just can't wait to get back on the field freaking play ball again, man. What do you say to the haters that think the fullback position is dying? There are haters. They're just non-believers. They, they don't see it. They don't understand Come and on. if you don't if you don't think a fullback belongs on the football field, I'm gonna say that you haven't played offense or defense in the NFL. Like I'm I'm just gonna love that energy. Who who uh was my did you have a Mike Allstott jersey growing up? So Probably I was not because you were a high school quarterback. Big coon guy. Ooh, oh, oh, sure, sure. Obviously. John obviously. Coon, uh, William Henderson, Big Will Henderson. Yeah. Obviously. Scott, Lorenzo Neal, uh, dude, it's there's, there's a, a couple Mount legends. Rushmore. Yeah, there, there's a Mount Rushmore of fullbacks. There's no Hall of Fame for fullbacks. Maybe they just need to make their own. Um, there's not for long snappers either. So we're we're right there with you. Like let's let's just make a little separate asterisk Hall of Fame for long snappers, fullbacks, punters, kickers. Let's get let's get the the glue guys. The glue guys. The glue guys Hall of Fame. Glue guys Hall of Fame. Let's do it. You heard it here first. I am here for that. I, I want to hear about the low man trophy. I know our, our fellows over at Pardon My Take are big, huge fullback fans. I want, I want to hear about the low man trophy that was presented, I think, to the University of Wisconsin. Yeah, it's, so it's the greatest honor in all of college football. It's, it's the best award. It's the most prestigious. It is a tire with a nail in it with a little bit of Coors Light, whether you drink it or not. And those guys are, they are 
the biggest proponents of fullbacks in all of in all of media in all of the space. So they, you know, reached out. I forget who they reached out to, Wisconsin Badgers, whatever. And I was able to give them a video back, thanking them for um, being able to receive the low man trophy for literally the University of Wisconsin. We had like three fullbacks that year that were all playing ball, so they couldn't just give it to one. So I just I had to send a quick video to the boys. They're those guys are hilarious. They're they're gonna clown whoever, whenever, at any yes. time, at any moment. Anybody and can get it. Full, dude, full, for whatever reason, fullbacks just that's their thing. And the uh it, it the low man was uh it was brought home to Camp Randall Stadium. Big tire. So you also have uh some fellow Badger alums, Gink, Andrew Van Ginkle and Michael Dieter, uh some true Midwestern boys down here in Miami. You guys brought Euchre down. I got to learn how to play Euchre, uh, which for our listeners who don't know and read, I guess. Uh, I don't that know is if I'm aware a, of what that it's is. It's a card game, and I'm still sort of learning how to play, <laughs> but it's phenomenal. How does it feel to be back with those guys? I know I love getting to reconnect with guys uh, from LSU when, you know, in my first couple of years here. I know Reed, the same with his LSU guys in Buffalo. How has it been getting to reconnect with them? It's awesome. It's old hat. It's, it's being able to have those traditions that you did growing up. And like, you guys know, like when you're in college, you're growing up, you're trying to like figure everything out and like you're going through it with your boys. Like, yeah, you kind of, you're all together. It's like y'all against the world. And that's kind of how you have to go about things. So now that you have families, now that Gangs has a kid, a second on the way now, congratulations to Gangs. And, uh, Dieter's just, here. Just announced. Just announced. Dieter's Breaking here. News. Yeah, we're, we're not we're, the we're, not the breaking news you'd expect from this podcast, but <laughs> no, yeah, he, is, uh, they announced it on social media yesterday. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, we're good. We're okay. We're secondary. Hey, not spilling any beans here, but I mean that's the transition, right? Like you're with those guys when you're yeah. 19, 20 years old, trying to like you know do your thing in Madison, Wisconsin. All of a sudden, now you have families. You're going golfing. You're playing euchre. You're showing other people how you did things. It's full circle moments, and it's cool how you pick stuff up just like that. Like I'm sure you guys have a bunch of traditions y'all had in LSU, and it's it's different. It's different when you're with somebody in college, yeah. and then to be the pros with them. It's it's a it's a really cool bond. Yeah, that's- I've been uh, teammates with Tredavious White for nine years. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, not yeah, going on nine years. So LSU I'm, I'm right there with you, LSU that's Buffalo. Wild. That's that's one of my favorite things, even beyond the guys in Miami and obviously for Reed, the guys in Buffalo is seeing guys after games as well. Again, to, you know, take a, take a picture after the game, swap jerseys. I have a bunch of those in my house and people are like, who are all these jerseys? And, you know, it's, it's guys that you guys that you grinded with in college, guys that you were running the levy with on a, on a July morning when nobody, when nobody else, exactly. When nobody (laughs) else was awake, it's, it's guys like that, that, are your brothers for life because you've, you've gone through the suck with them, you know, for, for years. So how many jerseys are you going to have? Like how many jerseys when it's all said and done, how many are going to be on the wall? Well, I'm still waiting on Foster Morrow to send me a Jersey from the game he played two years ago. He said he still, he said he still has it. I think he does because I'm hoping that he still has it because it's got the inaugural season patch on it. And I I really, it's, it's not going to be on the front side of the frame, but I, I really want that jersey, um, but I've got I've got eight right now. 
two of those from Reed. Uh, I've got a, I've got a home. I'm and trying to get, I'm trying uh, to get the cult, the, what do you call it? Color rush. I've got an orange and I've, uh, I've got a white and I've got a teal. I don't think we even have an orange jersey. No, 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 not that, orange. I'm sorry. Oh. I, the, I've got a white and I've got a teal. Okay. I'm trying to get the throwback. I, I guess. I don't know that say. we'll not, ever wear a throwback against Buffalo, but I don't think so. We could either. probably, we could probably make that happen. Is that going to be a good like whiskey? We've thing worn our, we've yeah, worn yeah. our throwbacks down in Miami before though. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it'll happen. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it will be to answer your question, Alec. I think, um, I think that'll go sort of in the man cave where I put my, my good bourbon stash, a nice, like, yes, yeah. dude, let's go and then get some, some jerseys on the wall, a TV in there to watch the, watch whatever the Monday night football is or whatever, you know. But I want to talk a little bit uh, here as we approach the end of our interview. And and thanks again for spending so much time with us. We've talked a little bit about your upbringing before. And I think that this is a great platform to bring awareness to a cause that's incredibly important to you. And that's the foster care system and the adoption system. Um, Give us just some insight into what that was like and how that sort of shaped your perspective on life and going through adversity. I mean... Being adopted, I think you, there, it cuts a little deeper when you talk about fears that you have, like fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, fear of loneliness. Like it cuts deep. It, it's right to your identity. Like you're questioning everything, like why you're here, why you weren't good enough, why you got put up for adoption or you're in the foster care system. So for me, I, you know, I was super lucky. I got place in a forever home right off the bat. Right. And like have the most supportive family, best support system you could ask for. But for a lot of these kids, they have those questions. They have those doubts. They have those moments of looking in the mirror. It's like, who are you? Right. Like there's no one to relate to. Um, And for me, it was visual. Like, you know, I was a mixed kid growing up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Like I didn't see anybody that looked like me. And for a lot of these kids to be able to reach out to adopt us kids or different organizations that work with foster care kids to be able to relate to them at such a deep level. Like this, we, people go through that every single day. Like you go through it. I go through it. Whoever's watching is going through it, whoever's listening is going through that. But when you can relate at something so deep, like being adopted or being in the foster care system, when you have a garbage bag with all your stuff and you're just moving to the next house, cause no one's going to, you know, put in the, the effort and the sacrifice to stick with you for more than a week or two. For a moment for me to sit down with a kid one at a time and just talk about ball, talk about life, talk about recess, talk about school, talk about whatever hobbies they're into, talk about video games, playing Madden with kids, uh, whether it's on Zoom, in person, giving backpacks out to kids, um, teaching them financial literacy, professional development skills. like That stuff is so impactful when you're able to relate at that deeper level. So. I think that's really where my purpose is. That's where the, the foundation, the Inbull Family Foundation really came from. Uh, and that's really what we've been doing for this past, ever since I've been in the league, but now formally uh, this past year as a foundation. So um, there's been so many cool moments, man. I, I've talked to kids at risk of aging out of the system, right? At 18 to 24 years old, like they're going to cut you off. There's no more government assistance. There's nothing, right? No, no subsidized housing. If you're not in school, they're going to cut you off. And to have a conversation with a kid that's about to graduate college, go, go into or graduate high school and talking about what summer job he's looking for. If he loves, you know, music, the radio doing his thing, like 
but he's talking about getting a job working at Target stacking shelves because that's going to pay the best, like $20 an hour to change that mindset for a kid and be like, no, like let's, let's get you an internship at the radio station. Let's, let, let's figure out how to, you know, work away into a career. Like that's going to be forever. Like you, you can, you can grow off of that and just kind of opening that mindset, opening that perspective, teaching kids where jobs are, careers are, where support system is. Um, that's been some of the most powerful stuff I've been able to do uh, this past year or so. And it's, it's been cool to, you learn just as much from those kids as, as they might learn from you. And it's, it's all about yeah. perspective and it's all about um, just being a good person. That's great. Uh, I did. I, I, mean, I know you hit on it just a little bit. I did want to ask you about uh, the Ingold family foundation. What is kind of, is there one interaction that you've had that like that you, that's your go-to story that you tell one of the, like the coolest interaction that you've had. Is there one that like immediately comes to mind? Yeah, we did a financial literacy workshop, uh, 2000. This was, this wasn't this past off season, the off season before. And there was a kid. So they're all student athletes, underprivileged student athletes, Madison area. And this kid was, you know, a little timid. I had the glasses on just doing his thing. And, he was really nervous trying to, we got everybody to get up in front of people and speak at least for a minute, right. Just to get them out of their comfort zone, get them going a little bit, talk about your goal, your dream. And then we had them Google their name, look at what the definition of the name was and what they want to change about that. Right. So he gets up there, he does a great job and it is super cool. Right. Everyone's cheering for him and you could see like a light bulb click, right? Like, Oh, people really just vibe with me just being myself. Like, that's cool. Like I can be myself. I can tell people who I am, what I want to do. And we got in like a big circle, kind of like a huddle right at the end of it. And we, I just wanted all the kids to say like one thing that they'll never forget about the, the two day experience. And the kid got up and he's like, you know, I, I just have all the confidence in the world now to chase my dreams, to, to be confident who I am. He's like, I want to be an astronaut. Like I, you know, I showed up, I want to do my thing. That's what I want to do with my life. And you all gave me the confidence to just be myself, to speak that into existence, to want to do that and to have confidence in it. And like everyone, it was just like chills. Everyone's giving a round of applause. Yeah. And it was like that, that's what you want a high school kid to have the confidence to do is just yeah. to be themselves, to speak on what they, they truly want to do in life. Yeah. And to see that transformation from that kid, um, that's what got me going. That's what kept me going. That's what, that's what we're doing. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Those moments like that have to never get old. You know, I'm sure you've had countless people reach out uh, via social media and, and at your, you know, events, just talking about the impact that you've had on them. Do you have somebody that you had as a role model as you were growing up, somebody that you looked up to that sort of instilled that confidence and that drive that mindset of being relentless in you that you, you know, wanted to end up sharing uh, with, with the next generation. Yeah. I think it'd be my dad. Uh, honestly, I think that's a role model. A lot of people draw to, but you know, my dad was uh, an all American wrestler growing up and nothing was handed to that guy. And he, he earned every single thing he's, he's ever gotten in life. And to get a front row seat to that, to see him have success as uh, an athlete, as a coach, as a, a parent as all the hats that he could wear, it, it gave me the courage and confidence to not just be an athlete, like go out of your comfort zone, try and be great somewhere else, try and impact people outside of your lane. It's going to be risky. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but you might just help somebody else out. You might just change a life. You might just change your own life. And 
to take that chance, take that opportunity. I, I learned that from my dad growing up and that's, it's really cool to, to be able to say. That was fantastic. Thank you so much, I, dude. For I don't taking think I some time. That was great. I don't think I breathed for like the last three questions. Man, you, <laughs> that, your story is freaking phenomenal. And thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Um, no, I appreciate it. We've got a couple uh, light-hearted questions that we like We're to finish off. We're going to lighten it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we call them short snaps. No pun intended. Just kidding. Pun, pun, intended. pun totally intended. <laughs> so I got six of them for you. We ask these to every guest. Favorite away stadium that you've played in? SoFi Stadium. Even though I cracked a couple of ribs there, dude, it's like $5 billion stadium. You can tell it's a $5 billion stadium. That's great because I've never played there, so it'll be my first time to uh, kick off the season. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Least favorite away stadium? <laughs> uh, shoot, I'm gonna say Arrowhead. I don't, I don't like it. Ooh. Okay, okay. I don't like. I don't want a reason. I just don't like it there. Okay, fair enough. I've got plenty of reasons not to like it. Also, so uh, <laughs> sorry for what, hey, sorry for opening up old wounds. No, there. it's okay. It happens. It happens. Hardest hitting player in the league, not named Alec Ingold. <laughs> hey, the hardest hit I've ever taken was from Vontez Perfect in training camp. No kidding. And I know he's not in the league right now, but that was he's 270 pounds, 260 pounds of just like anger. <laughs> he's just an inside linebacker, just, just a dude. So that was the hardest hit I've ever taken. It's not really close. There's no really second place. Really? It is head and shoulder, like not even, and it was at a it was at a training camp practice. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like no you're way. trying to team, and you that's the team captain, like of the defense. He's doing his thing, and wow. he said he's a tone setter, dude. Like that's what Have he does. And it was like, okay, that's the hardest I've ever been hit. And thankfully, it hasn't really gotten worse from that point. But um, <laughs> there's some tone setters in the league. <laughs> like there's no there's some dudes. So what's on your uh, pregame playlist? Oh, I'm a big lyrical guy, so I'll go like Joyner Lucas, J. Cole, Kendrick, um, very much like hip-hop rap heavy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, what's, the la- what's the last song you turn on? Do you have, do you have a go-to bef- like right before you go out, or is it just whatever's no. on the playlist? No, whatever's on the playlist, and it's something that I'm just going to put a smile on my face. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can sure. get all this intense list, like, like you rah rah, but like at the end of the day, the very end, like smile, like enjoy it. You're about to go out with your boys. You're about to play a game. You're about to perform. You're about to entertain with uh, in front of millions of people at home. And it's like, you got a little swag about you. You got like that feeling like we're going to do something special. We're going to put it all out there. You've been working all week to, to go out there and play like, man, just cut it loose, have fun, enjoy it. Enjoy that preparation and bring and just have fun. Love it. Uh, two more for you, and they kind of uh, go together. What's your go-to halftime snack? Oh, I'm going, I'm going fast twitch with a PB and J. So 200 milligrams of caffeine straight to the dome piece, and then we're gonna get like a <laughs> Smucker's PB and J, um, specifically strawberry. Strawberry. Face, thank you. Face is feeling like you got you. fire ants underneath your skin. <laughs> oh, hey, I have I have a fast twitch at like pregame, and it's. It's enough to put down, like, you know, it's a little bit – I'm not saying it's Dan Campbell, like, quadruple shot of espresso in the coffee cup, but 
two fast switches during a game is it gets you going. Is that cardio- cardiologist recommended? <laughs> no, don't do that at home. <laughs> Definitely not. Put, hey, put a little banner here. Do not. They recommend like once a week. He's eating two and four hours. Yeah. Hey, this is bad. Hey, yeah. If there's a high school kid watching this, like, don't take three shots of C four before you go play high school football games. Just don't do it. Like, please don't. Only when you're get. Only when you're lining up against uh, perfect. That is yeah, big, exactly. big fullback yeah, right. energy. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm glad you said PBJ. So this is the last question. This came about last year. We had a game in Kansas City. Uh, we had uh, uh, peanut butter and jelly at halftime. I made a comment that there was too much peanut butter on the sandwiches. The sideline reporter having me in the tunnel when I said it, it made it to television. Uh, not that I said it, but that somebody said it on the that team. there were complaints anyway, about the jelly uh, complaints about jelly. Yeah. the ratio was off so what is your if you're making a pbj for yourself uh, and i know smuckers smuckers is uh they're like undefeated yeah everybody says Smuck, smuckers is the best if you're making one for yourself what is your pb to j ratio so I'm a big peanut butter and jelly fan. I'm like a connoisseur of peanut butter and jelly. Okay. Um, That's a first. Have you ever had the goober? Yes. Reed used to like spoonful that just straight to his mouth growing up. Are you talking about the, uh, where it's half, 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 (laughs) like. Yes. They're like intertwined. They're like that in the jar. It's like peanut butter and jelly stripes. Yes. 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 Got it. Okay. That is the perfect. So you're 50 50. Perfect. Yes. Okay. So you're 50 50. We've had a figure in that can, in that situation. That's how I'm feeling. It's there. It's all there for you. If you want a little, see, it gives you diversity. If you need a little bit more jelly, if it's it's a, if it's a jelly, a little bit and you're more, you're dipping more jelly. If you need the peanut butter, if you want to be functional, if you want to, you know, get the whole like energy side of things, you want the peanut butter, like, it's there. It's right yeah. there. Just it's know, right there. just know that the next time you come back to that jar, you're getting the exact opposite of what you That's just scooped exactly out. If, if you don't scoop out exactly 50, 50. we're not getting too high. We're not getting too low. Yeah. We're gonna stay right here. We're going to find that midline. But if you need to diversify a little come bit, come on, baby. 50, like 50, that. To, 50, 50 straight to the dome piece. <laughs> I'm using. I'm using, that. I'm using that line. I'm using that line. <laughs> I'm about to look up what this fast twitch stuff is. Sounds like I need Dude, some. We we had. I, I can't say I'm familiar. And I don't know if they still make them, but we had the uh, bottles of it. No um, they make they they make it now, or they they only have the powder now. Uh, but they used to have bottles of it. That's what they had my first two years. It was phenomenal. Fast uh, twitch. Yeah. Best of the best. The best. Got it. Alex, I just, ordered, I just ordered some. Thank you so much for taking an hour of time to uh, hang with us yes, to talk you, man. your story. Man, this has been phenomenal. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Find Alec on the field. He will be the guy running through somebody's face. That's the only way to do it, Coach. <laughs> only way to do it. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks. A huge thank you to Alec for coming on this week. He was one of my favorite guests that we've had starting from the moment he joined the call. He was bringing the energy, big fullback energy. Like 
he that's how he is he every got that day. Dog in him. He's got that dog got in that him. dog in him. And he's he's worked his tail off just coming into a new team. It's it's gotta be hard, but he is he has shown up every single day ready to roll. And he is like he talked about Vontez Burfick being a tone setter for his team back when mm-hmm. he was uh, with the Raiders. He is a tone setter for the Miami Dolphins. So the team matches that energy and uh, we sure do appreciate having him around. So big thanks to him for coming on the pod. For those that listened all the way through like the last bit of the pod where he started talking about his upbringing when you kind of dove into that with him and how he kind yeah. of dove into the foundation and his ba- and and kind of the deeper background, not the football side of things about yeah. growing up adopted and stuff like that. That kind of, I'm glad he talked about that last because I feel like that kind of encapsulated his whole story that he yeah. told. No question. Um, and kind of made everything that he, ev- all of his answers and all, everything that he spoke about, it kind of made it that much better. <laughs> you know, kind of given his story. So uh, he was fantastic. Super thankful to Alec for coming on. He was, uh, he was great and uh, can't wait to meet him in a couple of weeks when we play. Let's do it. That is a wrap on this week's episode of after the snap subscribe, follow us on social media at after the snap pod everywhere. Look for some new content coming yes. out soon and we will see you right back here next week. Hopefully with another great guest. This has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.